sins. Philippians chapter 4. Beautiful song to lead into our worship time as we sit under the proclamation of God's word this morning. Hallelujah for the cross, what Christ has accomplished. What we're going to be looking at together this morning is as a result of Christ's work in our lives and what he has finished on the cross. We're going to be looking at something of our response then unto him, a response of worship. That's something that gains us favor with God, for that is all accomplished through the cross of Calvary, through our faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I pray that this morning is a blessing for those of us who are here, children of God, and we'll see that this is a very fitting message for the time that we are in um, as a church family. Again, this morning we'll mark the end of our study in the book of Philippians. Last week we started to look at the conclusion of the book, and this week we are going to finish that up, finish the conclusion. And being that I can be a little bit sentimental, uh, and that this is the first book Uh, that I have been able to preach to our church family, to my family of faith here at KBC. Uh, This week, as I was preparing for the message, I spent some time going over this last year and going over some of the notes uh, that uh, I made and how God has taught me and how God has kind of led us uh, as a church family. So it's been been a wonderful, wonderful year. Uh, going through this book, as Pastor Bob mentioned earlier. But again, we, we started our journey, actually, through Philippians at the beginning of 2023. It's actually January 22nd, to be exact. And we have spent 22 Sundays together. This is our 22nd study, or Sunday, uh, in this study of Philippians. And you know, the Lord has taught us many significant truths from this book. It's taught us the importance of the mission of the gospel. It's the importance of the mission of the gospel in all of our lives as individuals, but also how uh, it's not just an individual thing that we are engaging in, but it's a corporate thing that we engage in as a church when we engage in missions together. And we engage in it not just locally, but we're called to engage in the mission of the church evangelism to the ends of the earth globally to go and to make disciples of all nations secondly we as pastor bob mentioned earlier we saw the heart of our lord in the book of philippians and the great kenosis passage that we have in philippians chapter 2 how an all holy god set aside his right as god in all of his glory set it aside for sinners set it aside for us And he humbled himself by becoming flesh. Kenosis. He emptied into flesh and ultimately humbled himself by dying on a cross for us. Jesus did this for us. He chose to put us and our need before his right as God. And he acted according to this choice. We learned how this gospel message 
This gospel action of our Lord is then our model. It's our model in our relationships with one another in the church. We are to live live Christ by boldly proclaiming the truth of the gospel to those around us. We are to live Christ by living out the truth of the gospel with one another so that this world would hear the truth and they would see the truth in action. So we're to live Christ in our households, in the household of faith, the household of God, the church, the local church. We got some great relationship counsel throughout the book of Philippians of what it looks like to live Christ. Again, what a blessing. We got some great instruction on leadership in the church. As Paul elevates leadership, leadership examples like Timothy and Epaphroditus, even using him as uh, himself as an example many times throughout the book, but ultimately these leaders are pointing to the chief leader, the chief shepherd who is Jesus Christ himself. And Paul warned about several false teachers that were amongst the church at Philippi. And he warned about how do we identify these false teachers, for they are not servant leaders, but they're all about themselves. They weren't servants of the people. They boasted in self. Pride is how you identify them. Watch out for prideful leaders in the church. Because the primary role of a leader in the church is a humble servant. A servant like the chief servant, Christ. And they will demonstrate the humility of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, whom they serve. Lastly, we were encouraged by a relationship between the Apostle Paul, a missionary, and his supporting church, the church at Philippi. We saw this relationship just emphasized over and over and over again throughout the book, and we have been encouraged at this relationship again as a model for us? How should we endeavor to have relationships with our own missionaries? In my first sermon, I gave a reason why I wanted to go through this book, why this was the book that I chose. And I talked extensively about, uh, you know, these themes actually that we just went through. I spoke of how the church at Philippi reminded me a lot of our own church family. They were a relational church. They were a very giving church, very generous. And I've seen these strengths here at KBC. And we want to elevate our strengths. We want to grow as a relational, giving, generous church. So we study the book of Philippians to strengthen our strengths and also to look at our weaknesses, and to grow. We're reminded that we're not an island unto ourselves. I tried to remind us of that every week, that we're not an island unto ourselves, but the gift that God has given to us and one another and the relationships that we have with each other, that we are meant to utilize those relationships as we seek out personal evangelism relationships. 
Use the strength of the one another's in the body as we're reaching out to our neighbors, as we're reaching out to our family members. Get together as the church and invite unbelievers over and let them see the body of Christ in action. Preach the gospel and model it for them. We are stronger together than we are apart. We are not an island unto ourselves. It's a beautiful thing. Keep building a Jesus-centric, gospel-centric relationship amongst one another here. And I tell you, we will be effective in missions. We will be effective in reaching our community and our loved ones, the lost, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Secondly, I talked about our strength in giving. And we are a generous church. I don't want to make us prideful in that. That's not the point. But I do believe that it is a reality amongst us. So praise God for that. Just like the church at Philippi was extremely grace-filled. And they showed that through sacrificial giving to the Apostle Paul. And that's the occasion for the letter that he wrote. To say thank you for the gift and to spend some time teaching them about giving. Teaching them about those other things we talked about. But again, the conclusion of the book of Philippians finds Paul speaking to this specific reality amongst the believers at Philippi. He is acknowledging the gift that they sent him by way of Epaphroditus. He's thanking them for the gift and he's using it as an opportunity to highlight truth once again. And so, as God has sovereignly ordained, this was not planned but God has sovereignly ordained to line up the Sundays that I would be here in the book of Philippians. Uh, next week, we are going to be taking up our Christmas missions offering. And as he is now dealing with the offering from the Philippians and teaching about it, I think that it is great that we have a time the week before our Christmas missions offering to talk about giving, to talk about this Offering that was taken, a missions offering that was taken at a church in Philippi and sent out. And the Apostle Paul talks about how it builds their relationship together, how it honors God, and the heart that we are to have in this offering that we are about to partake of next week. So again, I see God's hand of care, I see His providence in providing this text for us to prepare us for what lay ahead closely here in the near future. So again, this is, this is what we're going to seek to learn this morning. As we give, as we give rightly in a way that honors God, we give rightly when we give generously, when we give sacrificially, when we give for the honor of God to please Him. And when we give trusting in his ultimate provision for us. So hopefully we are in the book of Philippians. I'm going to read actually starting in verse 10 so that we get the whole flow of the text. And I'm going to go right through to verse 23. Is it alright if I ask you to stand for the honor of reading God's word?
says this, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your, con- uh, you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am uh, speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you, Philippians, yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me greet you. All the saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's household. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Let's pray. Father God, use your word this morning to teach us. Lord, may the love of Christ uh, just fill us. And may the truth of the gospel be ever present in our mind as we think about these practical things. This, this blessing that you give us as your church to worship you, God, by sacrificial, joyful, worshipful giving. So help us now. For the glory of Christ, we ask all these things. Be seated. <clears throat> so this is, again, it's going to be kind of back and forth because I went through the first chunk of this last week. And part of the theme from last week is in the verses that we'll be looking at as we start in verse 14 and continue on. Um, but our message this morning, I have entitled Partnership in the Gospel. And if we go back to chapter 1, as we had it read earlier, partnership in the gospel is a great theme throughout the book. We find this idea running throughout the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning again. Partnership in the gospel. The Philippian church partnering in their uh, ministry with their missionary, the Apostle Paul, throughout his missionary journeys. We, we know, again, reminder from last week, we know that there was a bit of a considerable gap between the current offering that Paul received and the one uh, previous to that, the one most recent before that. However, it wasn't because they didn't care. Uh, he states it's that they didn't have the opportunity. But now they've been given the opportunity again, and they send financial help. And they send love and care through Epaphroditus. In verse 15 and 16, it kind of informs us of this, but we're going to leave it at that and move on. But 
verses 15 and 16 says, And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. But the point now is in verse 18, he says, I have received the gift. I've received full payment. They had entered into partnership with Paul, verse 15 says. And read with me then in verse 14 as we start what we're going to be focusing on this week. How he puts this relationship another way. The partnership is described in verse 14 as this. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. Okay, and this, this is actually really neat. This is meaningful to me. Because this is what Pastor Bob and I pray for with us as a church family and our missionaries. The word trouble here means the suffering or the trials that the Apostle Paul is going through. It means uh, the word share is actually a combination of what we get from the word partnership or to associate oneself with another uh, and, and a connection of that in the word with or being next to. Okay, So it's to associate oneself with. Next to somewhere. So it is a deeper connection is what it's getting at. With or next to an association with an individual and what they are going through. So Paul is trying to emphasize how as he is going through his trial, as he is going through his suffering, through your giving to me and you're sending Epaphroditus, it's like you're right here next to me and we're going through the trial together. You're not alone, the Philippian believers tell the Apostle Paul. We're with you. We care. We are suffering this trial with you. Paul is in prison. He's suffering and in need. The church hears about it and they send an offering to care for him in his need as he needs food, he needs clothing. And Epaphroditus Epaphroditus brings this offering and they're participating with him. Again, this is the type of partnership that we're looking at. Can, Can you just picture... In your mind, what the Apostle Paul is saying and feeling as this is a relational word. The relationship between Paul and this church that's supporting him as a missionary. The best way that as I was reading through this that I can explain it to us is while the Dannenbergs were here, I was able to go out with them to Bob Evans. Actually, I did it twice, but one occasion when I went to Bob Evans, we were talking and I was asking them about missions work and how our church family can be better connected to them. And we discussed how our missions committee is wanting more and more to get people to our missionaries. We want better connections with our missionaries, better care 
for them, knowing what they're going through, praying for them, and, and again, going to them. And I asked him, I'm thinking on my end, how can we serve you? What is it that you're doing over there in CAR that we can send somebody in the next three years before you're done with the ministry and help you? How can we really be of help to you? And John looked at me and he got a little quiet for a second. And he said something profound that I just wasn't thinking of. And it will stick with me for the rest of my life. He said, you know what, Larry? It doesn't matter what they do when they come. Just the fact that a church in America would care enough about us and care enough about the people that we're trying to minister to and the gospel ministry over there, if you sent anybody, they don't have to do a thing. We would just be overjoyed in knowing that you care and showing them around and introducing them to people there and the people that they're ministering to would be encouraged by someone coming over. Now, I I get we want to go and we do want to serve. But he he was just letting me know it's, it's the care, it's the partnership that matters the most to them. And it hit me. And he was very emotional when he was talking about this not super emotional but so i just thought about it and i said john can you tell me in your whole ministry how many times have people from a church come to see you guys does this ever happen and he said no has nobody has ever come to see you before ever on the field he said well there was one time Uh, that there was something going on where churches sent a group and he was a part of something, of a consortium of different ministries. And and my heart just broke. (laughs) The church at Philippi sending Epaphroditus to their missionary whom they cared for, who they were in charge of caring for lifted the apostle Paul's spirit and he says it's like you're right here with me just going through this you care and it's given me the strength to endure and that's what we want that's what we want as a church family we want to get involved in missions to the point we want to be sending you to our missionaries We want you to go, not me. I'd love to go, that'd be great. But we want you to go. We want you to know what God is doing around this world. We want you to be the encouragement that our missionaries need. So pray. Pray for that. Pray for that in your own life, in your own heart, as our missions committee continues to give us opportunities of Sending church family members to minister to our missionaries, to care for them, to bring provision for them in different areas, but really to just show that we care and partner with them in the gospel. Pray for that. Would God have you to do that? Paul then continues on with the encouragement for the Philippians, which gives instruction for them. Uh, or really it's encouragement for them it gives instruction for us 
as we are about to take this offering. Which, by the way, did, did anybody catch what Pastor Bob said that actually our missions offering next week is going to be a part of this, that we're sending people from KBC to Italy? Isn't that great? Isn't that great? <laughs> Praise God. So he says this in verse 18. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. He says, I've received full payment and more. This speaks to the gift, the size of the gift that has come to Paul as being generous. It's a generous gift. Okay, It's not scraps. It's not whatever we have left over, what we can get by without that the Philippians had offered for Paul. But it was their best. It was their first. Hey, in Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, in 1 Corinthians 16, 1, Paul gives instructions for the church and their worship time together and the collecting of offerings. 1 Corinthians 16, 1 and 2, I'll just read it for you. It says this, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do. On the first day of the week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Again, at this time, the church had been meeting for worship on the first day of the week, Sunday, to remember the Lord's day, the, the day that the Lord rose from the grave. So when they met, they were to put money aside for the church and for the mission of the gospel. And this specifically is speaking of care for the, the church in Jerusalem. They were going to send money to care for them as they were facing heavy persecution. And when were they to do this? The first day of the week. Set a portion aside. The first day. And then go throughout your week and take care of what you need. But first, give your best, give your first fruit to the Lord. So we see a principle in worship. And we see that in giving and offering. We give the Lord our best. We give the Lord our first. It's all His anyway, right? He's the one who provides for us. So we worship Him in thanksgiving. We worship Him in acknowledging what He has done and how He cares and provides for us. And we show that by giving back to Him. And again, I said, it's not just a portion at the beginning, but we see a principle here with the Philippian church about the giving being generous sacrificial event. Paul had said that his needs were met and then some. Okay, remember what we read last week in their offerings in the past when he's speaking of in 2 Corinthians 8 of the offering that came in from the church at Macedonia. The church is there, which would include Philippi, that they gave with an abundance of joy out of their extreme 
poverty. Extreme joy, giving generously. And they weren't asked to do that. They were also suffering a test of affliction, persecution at the time. And it says that these churches were begging us earnestly for favor. The favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. Is that me? Is that us? When we give, we need to give our best, our first. And we need to give generously. Not just asking, okay, church in Italy. Okay, church in Myanmar. Church in CAR. Not just asking, so what do you need? And then trying to count our pennies and get to what they need. But provide the needs and then some. I received it in full and more. Do we know what it's like to give until we feel it? Do we know what it's like to give until we feel it? I wonder if this portion of how uh, the church at Philippi was suffering alongside Paul himself, if this was part of that. A portion of their suffering is that they were a church of extreme poverty. And yet through them, they were able to provide what Paul needed and more. Sacrificial giving. The giving that we want is regular, joy-filled. We're joyously asking for the favor to give. Regular, joyous, worshipful, and sacrificial giving. That's the goal. That's what Scripture models for us. And I tell you what, God providing this passage for us as I was going through it, right before we're about to do our Christmas missions offering, it was like, wow, I think the Lord is trying to talk to me about this. And what we find then next is our motivation, what we can trust as we strive to give regularly, joyously, worshipfully, and sacrificially. Philippians 4.18 says, I've received payment in full and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, and here it is, a fragrant offering a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Regular, joyous, worshipful, and sacrificial giving unto the Lord is pleasing to Him. It pleases Him. We do this not under compulsion, not to be seen as holy among men. It's not to earn favor with God. God has given us His favor. He's received us by grace. He sacrificed His Son so that we would be wholly acceptable in His sight. Amen to that, right? (laughs) But this is something different. As His child, we can please Him. 
boy, I want to please the Lord. I wake up, I think, God, what do you want me to do? What pleases you? And he tells us by his grace and his word, regular, joyous, worshipful, sacrificial giving unto me, Larry, that pleases me. Paul uses an illustration here from the Old Testament comparing our giving of funds to the Lord to the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. An animal was killed, divided, and burned on the altar. This was a sacrifice to God. It cost them to do this. And ultimately, it was a picture of the sacrificial lamb, Jesus Christ, who would come and lay down his life for our sins. He did this to reconcile sinful man unto an all-holy God. And know this, God was pleased with the sacrifice. Not because of the blood that was shed by those bulls, those goats, or those lambs. God was pleased because those sacrifices pointed to the sacrifice that pleases him. Jesus. It's a picture of it. It's symbolic. And by faith, looking to that Messiah that would come, Israel obeyed God. And by faith, followed through with the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. God wanted the hearts of his people. They'd pour incense over this Offering so that when it burnt and went up to the Lord, it was a pleasant aroma. But remember this, God wanted the hearts of the people. If they did this, all of the rituals, everything, and yet their hearts were not for the Lord, their hearts were distant from here, Scripture tells us in the Old Testament that this aroma was not pleasing to him, but it was a stench in his nostrils. Well, I tell you this, when we give to God, when we give our best, our first, sacrificially to him, again, what I think is God looks on our weak, feeble offering and the faith that we have in his son, and it points him to his son. And he thinks about the sacrifice of Jesus for you which enables that offering to be pleasing in his sight. When we give to the Lord in faith of what Jesus has done for us, and you are now our Lord, you are now our God, and we give this to you with joy, it says that that sacrifice goes up to God and he smells the pleasant aroma. And he's pleased. It's interesting when you think about this, as I was thinking about the pleasant aroma, you know, our, our noses are kind of like a memory bank. Did you know that? <laughs> when I get home on Sunday from worshiping together with our church family, I go home and oftentimes I open the door and guess what I smell? Roast. <laughs> yeah, that was right. <laughs> the Sunday roast. And I open it, and it just fills my nostrils, right? And it's pleasing. You know why? 
because of the family worship that happens at the table when we eat that meal. And it reminds me of of what takes place. And that's what I think about. And when we offer to the Lord and we give our offerings to Him in faith, that smell goes up to Him and He smells His Son. And He thinks about His Son and about the love that He has for you and you're now demonstrating it for others. And He's pleased. Understand, as we give, it's all about Jesus. It's all about the Lord. This is not a message that is meant to guilt you into doing something. Please don't ever think that. This is a message that helps us to see how our offerings go before the Lord and He's pleased with sinners like us. It's amazing. It's amazing what the cross has accomplished for us. So, as we give weekly here, as we give next week, we want to pray and we want to give generously. And we want to give in honor of God. We want to give because it pleases Him. We want to have the heart and the mind of Christ. And our Father in heaven is pleased. Lastly, Philippians four nineteen and 20. And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Simply this, we give trusting God. We give trusting God. He meets our needs. He provides for us. We trust God to provide for us. He's, he's met our every need in Christ. Everything we need is found in Him. Through the gospel of His Son, And I tell you this, those who are his, those who have faith, he promises to provide for his people and meet every physical need that we have while we are yet here on this earth. Do you know one way that God does this, according to the text? How does he do this, according to the text? How did he provide for Paul when Paul was in need and his needs were not being met? The church. We care for each other. We're the hands and the feet and the means through which God provides for one another. That's just one way. I hope you can see that clearly in the text. It's through the church. God provides for his people, and he promises to do so. And I tell you this, he can. Physically, material-wise, he can provide for his people, right? Haggai 2.8 says, The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. It's all his. So, beloved, we can trust him. We can live by faith and not by sight. We can... Share 
and the trouble alongside of our missionaries. We can give the word of God and light to those in Myanmar. We can give and give our best to a missions team that's going to go to Italy. So we can serve the church, Veritas Church in Italy. We can give our best weekly, generously, sacrificially for the honor of God because it pleases Him and because we know that He will provide for our needs. So we give. Beloved, I want to know what it feels like. I want to know and experience God's provision in my life. By giving until it hurts and watching God provide. I want that. I want you to want that. I think too often we live by what we see in our bank accounts. What we see going on around us. And we make the thought and the choice according to what we perceive is the reality. And we go ahead of God and make sure that we're taken care of based on what we know. And God calls us to live by faith and to be stretched. So we give. This is a giving church. And this wonderful tradition that we have next week of the Christmas missions offering I'm thankful that I can pass it down to my kids and to the generation that comes after. And beloved, God is glorified when we do it right. It says, to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Mm. Paul then closes the book with these final greetings to the saints. I'm just going to close with this. I just ask that you pray, that you put yourself to prayer this next week. And as we come, uh, I just really want the Lord to be honored in the giving next week. I really want him to be honored. Um, Personally, as I studied through this, that's personally what I want for me. God, be honored as we give, as we teach our kids about giving. Um, It's been modeled to us by those who have gone before me. I love this tradition that we do here, Christmas missions offering. Enjoy a fellowship meal together. Um, So pray over the next week. And I think God will do great things through a small little church in Kentwood, Michigan. People on the other side of the world will know that we care and know the love of God through that giving next week. Isn't that great? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for the truth. I thank you how these principles are not just present in the offering that we're taking next week, but Father, that it's true every day. It's true every week as we gather together as a church. Father, I thank you for the grace that you give us, that you always give us truth in your word. Lord, forgive us for the times when we are not present and we make decisions not 
thinking about what your word says and how we can honor you. Help us, Father, to be mindful, to live every moment, to do all things for the glory of Christ's name. And God, that includes how we handle our finances. We love you, Lord, and thank you that because of Christ, you take an offering from us and you use it and you multiply it and you bless your people and you provide for those in need. And God, we can join and partner with missionaries around the world in the gospel work. So Lord, as we think about that, Lord, I I just pray, I do pray. I pray for what we're going to be doing in Myanmar. I pray for the missions team that will be going to Italy. Father, would you use this to bless them and to bless through them? Show forth the name of Jesus Christ in a powerful way. Through all these things, we ask, trusting you, God, that you can do this. In Jesus' name.